Hey everyone, welcome to Glitch Free Gaming, it's episode 173, and I am your host, as always, I'm Mike. And I'm joined by Paul. You're, you're not Mike. I'm Mike. Okay? Okay, I'm Kieran, I'm not Mike. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you you don't sound like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't even do a good Kermit impression, or I was fine. <laughs> um... It's probably going to be a relatively short one this time, because it's just two of us, and uh, I've been playing a bunch of stuff, but Paul has played nothing, so... Yeah, we'll I've played the one, one thing, yeah, it's we'll the only thing that matters! We'll talk about the one thing you've played first then, because I've not played any more of it, which is Horizon Zero Dawn. How you find it? Still enjoying have you, it? Have you really not played any more? I haven't played any more of it, Zelda has been keeping uh... up 100% of my time. Once you're done with Zelda, you need to go back to Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, like, yeah, so good. So I... This, this is probably not ruining any uh, for anyone, but spoilers. I'm just talking about a location. I've got to. But spoilers anyway. Um, you end up in Meridian. Meridian's the, like, second area you go to. Yeah, like, really early on, they go, hey, by the way, you should probably go to Meridian. Yeah, yeah, so I, I I did the going to Meridian, and I did the quest afterwards, once you get there, which is heading out into the wilderness to find uh, Olin, who you meet pretty early on as well, Yeah. Um, and you go find him. After that, I kind of decided, hey, I've literally done none of the side quests, and I'm quite enjoying this game, so I want to prolong it a little bit. I'm going to go do some of the side quests. Turns out the side quests are really bloody good. <laughs> yeah, I did all of the side quests in that starting area before you do the the proving, um, and I would probably continue doing that as I played it, if um, I was still playing it. Yeah, so I've actually went back... All the way back to the original area. Uh, thank God you eventually get fast travel packs. <laughs> um, so I went all the way back there. And I started doing all the side quests. So I did the, the first group of hunters stuff. Uh, the first set of hunters trials. All the side quests. Yeah. I'm running around as a level 20. I got to the point where they told me there was hunt, hunter trials. And then I was like, okay, cool. I know. I, I went way like I I got told there was hunters trials and I was like yeah yeah kill them I'm out my ready and I'll catch you later bye. <laughs> um, so I've went back and I've done uh, I've done hunters trials and uh, you get told there's things called cauldrons. I'm just actually doing my first one of those before we got on here, um, but I, I've got it still running. So I'll, I've done. Three side quests. I have cleared all bandit camps up to level 20. Nice. I've cleared the Nora hunting grounds, and I'm working my way through Valley Meat hunting grounds, which is on your way to Meridian. I've also unlocked the Great Run hunting grounds, but I've not actually went there yet. And I'm currently doing Cauldron Sigma... I've also unlocked Cauldron Zeta when I've reached level 20. I've activated my first tall mech. Okay. So those are the giant giraffe things. So they're basically towers. 
Yeah, you you find a way to get on their back and you do your thing where you can, you know, make the machine. Yeah, you do the Far Cry thing and it tells you where things are on the map. Yeah, and it basically unlocks sections of the map, yeah, yeah. correct. Correct. Um, as for, I've done three of the main story quests. Um, I'm making my way to Maker's End at the moment in the main story. Okay. That's a level 14 quest. Um, I am level 20, and I find it brutally hard, because it involves humans, not machines, and I'm finding the missions that involve humans a lot harder. Yeah, I can, that makes sense. Although, the very first, like, human encounter you have in that game, I just hid in bushes, and yeah. then whistled, and then they walked over, and then I murdered someone, and then I whistled, and they walked over, and then I murdered someone. Alright. Something they walked over and I murdered someone. He's in with a pile of bodies next to this like tall grass. So yeah, I've cleared I've cleared two corrupted zones. I don't know if you've encountered any of those yet. No, I've 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 cleared I cleared the I think it's a level ten corrupted zone and a level twenty corrupted zone. Currently clearing my first cauldron. Done one of the hunting grounds, did the tall neck, I have cleared three bandit camps. Which can actually be pretty tough. Um, I've died a few times to try to clear bandit camps. Okay. I've done a couple of errands. I've got four more of those I can currently go do, which I'll probably do over the course of the weekend. Um, I've done two, it doesn't sound a lot, two side quests, but I mean, all of this stuff is side quests, but it's all under different banners. Yeah. yeah so yeah, er- errands are for people, side quests are. I don't really know the major difference. They're like their own little contained stories. Yeah, I think secrets are a bit more in depth. Errands are kind of just like, go and get me this item. Yeah, so the errand stuff I've done is uh, clearing the first bandit camp to create sanctuary for a bunch of outcasts and in foreign lands, which is uh, one you get when you get halfway to Meridian. And this, uh, you get it in a place called Sun Tower. Okay. Um, and one of the Meridian guards in Sun Tower. Sun Tower is a, a post between Noralands and Meridian, so it's got both Nora in it and whatever the Meridian people are called, the Sun Worshipper people. Meridians. Yeah, it's got those in it, and like um, you get one of the captains of one of the Meridian guards is like, we have a bunch of people out in Noralands. Can you go and find them? It's it's a simple fetch quest. Yeah. But something happens along the way, and it becomes its own extended story. That's pretty cool. I'm glad there's a lot more depth to that stuff. It is, yes. It's so, much more of an RPG than I was expecting it to be. It's a heck of a lot of RPG, and a heck of a lot of game. I sound like I've played a lot of it, but if my time is anything to go by, <laughs> I've only played like 20 hours. 20 hours a lot. Uh, yeah, but I feel like I've played a lot more. That's like a full game. <laughs> yeah, most things. true. But I feel like I've played a lot more than 20 hours, which is weird. That's like five Call of Duties. Very true. Very true. But anyway, yeah. just I'm 20 hours in. I'm not slowing down. I'm not losing my enjoyment of the game. So, if that's, you know, anything to go by. But, you know, other than that, I, I really don't have 
that much to say other than if you own a PS4, then why are you not playing this? Why are you listening to us and not playing this game? Because Zelda's out. I mean, okay. That's the only reason I'm not playing it. Is that, Zelda, that's, that's I'm actually fair. near. I've actually played a lot near as well. So. Oh, okay. We will get uh, onto those. We will get onto those. But yeah, no. Just the game's gorgeous. There's so much to do. None of the side quests are boring. It is, without a doubt, one of the nicest looking games I've ever seen. None of the side quests are boring. That's good. I have I've yet to find anything that was am like halfway through and go, I, I don't like that. Nah, none of the side quests are boring. Um, even the simple fetch quests. Like, I was doing a simple fetch quest and a new type of machine that I've never met before pops up. And I need to face off against it. Yeah. And something as simple as that just it adds such a level of depth. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like there's you're never just kind of doing the same stuff over and over. Like no, you go, you're like anything that seems like oh, this is the fetch quest. The breath of fresh air in comparison to games we've had such as. Uh, Mafia 3. Uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, Mafia 3 is not really much of an RPG compared to this, but it's such a big open-world thing that, yeah, I can see that comparison quite a lot. Yeah, like... We've, it we've, was so we've by the numbers. Of, we've been getting a lot of, you know, open-world games where the side quests are not something you want to go and do. Yeah. Where they'll... they'll and none of these side quests are forced. Like some, some of them will force you to go and do at least one of each type of side quest. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that here. If you choose to go and explore it, okay. If you don't, again, that's yeah, alright. Probably just mainline the story. I wonder if you'll hit a point if you just mainline the story where it's like, yo, you're just dying in one shot. Like you need to go do some side stuff. Yeah. A lot of RPGs are like that. I I. Haven't got there yet, but I chose to go and do the leveling up. Yeah, stuff. it wasn't forced. No, it's like I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm dying a lot. I'm okay. I'm maybe I'm level fourteen, and this is a level twelve mission, but I'm dying a lot. Maybe if I go boost myself, I can just you know breeze through this. Yeah. And then I seem to have got like really caught up in <laughs> doing the side stuff. That I, it's not about leveling up anymore. It's that I'm just enjoying it. That's fair. So, That's what you want. That's uh, exactly what you want. And it's really nice to find, to be honest. So, yeah. yeah. Um, that is all I really have to say. Other than, you know, go buy it. Do the thing. I need to play more of it. It's, it's on my list, but... Uh, go, go do the thing. Go buy it. <laughs> oh. Do the do the thing. Do the do. Do the do. Well. Anyway, talking about other open world RPGs. Let's hear about either one that you've been playing. Yeah, I've been playing two pretty massive ones. Um, I guess I'll start with the PS4 one first, and then I'll just do all the Switch stuff at once. Um, so yeah, on PS4, I've been playing Nier Automata, uh, yep. the sequel to Nier, which was a JRPG that was a spin-off of the Drakengard series, which yeah. I've never played any of the Drakengard games or Nier before. Um but people liked that first game, and I liked the soundtrack of that first game, so I was interested. 
Um, Good enough reason? Why not? Yeah, yeah, and then this sequel is made by... So the thing about the previous games is Nier in particular is well known as being like a really... A JRPG that has like a, a dozen endings, a really good story, a really cool world, really nice writing, stuff like that, great soundtrack, but really terrible, or not terrible, like really mediocre like action RPG gameplay. Yeah. Um, the bit where the actual combat is, is like notoriously apparently not very good. Again, I've not actually played it, so I'm going based on other people's opinions. Um, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But Near Automata was made by Platinum Games. Oh. Uh, so okay. it's a big open JRPG that plays like Bayonetta. Oh and shit! Okay, maybe it, I want a piece of this. It's really good. So um, I sort of finished it. Uh, I got the first ending at least, but there are apparently twenty six endings. Um, what the hell? Some of them you apparently get just from, like, dying at certain points. They're not really real endings. You'll just get, like, a cutscene before it kicks you back, rather than... Okay, okay. You know. I was going to say, you need to play the game 26 times. Like, what? I don't know if you need to complete the game every time to get a, to get one of the endings either. I think there's different... You can, like, have a safe fill and go back and make a different choice or something. I don't know. All I've right, only okay. got the one ending so far. Um, but that itself already took, like, I don't know, 15 hours, 20 hours, something like that. I... I, that's the game where I didn't do as much of the side quests as I probably should have. Um, yeah. Now I'm doing my second run through. I'm going to try and do more of those. Yeah, makes um, sense. But I am really enjoying it. The combat is great. It is very much like uh, it's a bit more simplified than Bayonetta, which you can expect because it's also a big RPG and it's got leveling and stuff like that to deal with. So it makes sense that the combat's maybe not as in depth as a full action game would be. Um, it's probably yeah. more comparable, actually. Like. My point of reference might actually be to the uh, the Transformers game that Platinum did. Uh, Transformers right, Station. Okay. That felt yeah. a lot like Bayonetta, but had just had like a gear system, and it was a bit lighter. It, it feels similar to that, because again, there's a bunch of gear you get as well, because it's an RPG, so you're buying better weapons, better armor, and upgrading your weapons. Yeah. Um, but the main thing about it is just this weird quirky world that it's set in and the story for all of it so like the world of Nier Automata is I don't, as far as I'm aware it's set like hundreds upon hundreds of years after the first game and not really much connected I'm sure there's probably even that loosely connected yeah I'm sure there's probably some stuff that calls back to it but obviously I don't know because I've not played it Yeah. Um, but the world of Nier Automata is humanity was a hum- or Earth was invaded by aliens. Okay. And those aliens invade like they landed on Earth and then invaded by creating robots and the robots just wiped out humanity and then what was left of humanity escaped Earth and now they live on the moon. And a few hundred years later or a couple hundred years later, humans that are on the moon have now finally kind of advanced to a point where they've built their own robots and you're one of those robots, or these androids. They're like more advanced, more humanoid robots. Yeah. And they send you back to Earth, basically, to start trying to reclaim Earth from the alien invaders. And so you're fighting a bunch of robots. Those nasty alien invaders. Yeah, exactly. But this is a... Like, it doesn't go into that stuff super in-depth. Like, a lot of the game... The game's story is a lot more isolated and it's more about the events just of your character in 
you know, her specific section of this world that fighting these specific robots has not really got much of a grand scale. You're not retaking Earth. You're just kind yeah. of encountering and dealing with the machines that are in the part of the Earth that you have landed on. Um, and I won't go too much more into it because the story is kind of one of the main parts of it that's really good. Um, there's a lot of really cool characters in it. They do some really interesting things with the machines. Um, there's a lot of like factions of the machines. So there's you know, yeah. the, the evil one, or you know the kind of the alien invader ones are considered ones that are tied to the network. The network being they don't really explain too much at the point I'm in at least. But, but the network being like the alien. Presumably, yeah, it's like a hive mind kind of thing that the aliens run or something like that. I, I again, I don't know, so I could be completely wrong. Um, and then you, you know, there's other machines that are just kind of they're starting to learn to talk and they're, you know, walking around talking. And there's others that just walk around in circles and don't do anything. They aren't evil. And they don't attack you. They're just there walking in circles. So they go into this stuff a bit more, and it's it's really cool. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I got the first ending. Um, the first ending was a little bit lackluster, but I feel like it's very much the simplest ending. It's very much just like, hey, by the way, you, this technically ends the story. You can stop here if you want, but come on, you you want to do more. This this <laughs> you're not going to be satisfied by this. This technically ends the story, but we we know we've made a game good enough that you're going to play more. So yeah, exactly. Like we know you might you might, be, you might as well play some more. We know you're going to be okay with replaying this, because that's how we built this game. Um, and so far I've been replaying it, I've only got like another hour or so back into it. But they do some interesting things with differentiating it from your first playthrough. Yeah. Um, it's not just, hey, you're playing through the game again, then you make a different choice at the end or something like that. It is uh, things that happen in the your first playthrough will have different contexts in your second playthrough. Um, okay. At least from what I've played. Again, maybe it's just the same after this and it's just a decision at the end or something, but so far it's been pretty interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, Near Automata, I definitely recommend it. Um, I'm, I had no idea what it was until you kept mentioning it. Yeah. Um, now that you've mentioned it multiple times and you've explained here what it is, I kind of want to play it. I think you probably quite like it, knowing that you like JRPGs and you also like action games. Like, it's basically I, like I pretty it. much love anything Platinum have made, so... Yeah, and you also really like, you know, Devil May Cry, stuff like that, which are basically... Yeah, pretty much. Uh, um, and then also you like Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's really good um, and the soundtrack is insanely good as well like the first game was kind of well known for the soundtrack um, in a lot of ways it kind of the soundtrack was more popular than the game itself was um, yeah. this game's soundtrack is as good if not better than that first game's it's so good like you could just stand around and listen to the music in that game and be happy because it's great Um is it... What type of music are we talking? Is it... It's like a Mexican or orchestral... Um, there's some slightly more rocky bits in it. Uh, a lot of female vocals. Some of it's super depressing sounding. 
because you're in this kind of dystopian, you know, earth where robots have invaded. Kind of um, standard JRPG affair. Yeah, I say it's I say it's better than most JRPGs. Um, personally, I I really like it. Um, yeah, you can find the soundtrack on like YouTube and stuff. I recommend people listen to it if they're interested in that part of it. But also, just buy the game; it's great. Yeah. Um, well, not yeah. gonna say no to buying games. <laughs> not yeah, gonna say I, no to buying more games. I, I could sell you even more on it. The main character you play as is a character called Tubi, and she is a android who is dressed in the kind of uh, gothic Lolita kind of Japanese style so she's got yeah. a kind of black gothic dress and uh she also wears like a uh like a uh uh what should we call it a blindfold across her eyes which isn't really explained yet i assume that'll slightly, get explained at some point slightly creepy but okay yeah i assume that's part of it it's just to be slightly creepy there's a lot of stuff in the game in general that is slightly creepy um and slightly random. That, makes yeah. perfect sense for a JRPG. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the the guy that makes these, um, or the main guy, obviously, you know, is probably made by dozens of people. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, the main guy, uh, Yoko Taro, he's kind of known for this kind of weirdness, apparently. Um, like, I've been talking to a friend who's played the Guard games and the first year, and he was like, I'm really glad. Like, I, I've just been messaging him whenever I, you know, do something in the game that I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing and funny and weird and creepy and what the hell? And he's just like, I'm really happy that your first Yoko Taro one happens to be one of the best ones. Like, this is a good... This is a good introduction to this guy's work. Yeah, exactly. This is like, you manage to jump in at the point where you get prime Yoko Taro wackiness and craziness, but also the gameplay's good. Like, this is the first time you can get that. And it's like, okay, cool. Um, yeah, don't complain, man. Don't yeah, no, I, I'm loving it. Um, Never complain if you're getting, you know, the best of someone's work. I kind of picked up on a whim and didn't expect to play much of it because, like Horizon, you know, I started playing Zelda and it took over my life, and so I've not played any Horizon since last podcast. Which yeah, you know, we've missed two podcasts, so there you go. Um, no, I've only missed one. Oh, was it one? I thought we missed two. Never mind. No, it's no. Still, like, it's still two weeks. If um, we missed this week, we would have missed two. Ah, you're right. That's what. But still, we missed the podcast, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah we missed the podcast, you know. So it's been two weeks since, you know, I last played Horizon, which is mental. Because that game's great. Yeah, considering how good Horizon is, yeah. um, the fact that Nier and Zelda have dragged you away from it, I really want to hear about them both. Yeah, and now I've heard about, heard about Nier, I want to hear about Zelda. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so, I guess first I'll talk about the Switch in general, because I got a Switch. Yeah, convince me to buy a Switch All right. and play a Zelda game. Do you like playing handheld games? Not particularly, unless it's Pokemon. Alright, Pokemon will probably come out for this at some point. Uh, um, I, I, I know, that means I'm probably going to need to buy one at some point. Uh, yeah, the Switch is kind of amazing. Um... I didn't expect to like it as much as I do because, like, I've talked about 3DS a lot in here before and how much I don't... Particularly use your 3DS that much. I use it a fair amount because of the games that are on it, but I think it's really bad as a handheld. I think it's just a bad system. Like, I think it has some great games on it. I love Fire Emblem. 
the last generation of Pokemon seem like they're great. Uh, I fucking definitely yeah. I fucking love. I fucking love. Picross 3D round two. Because yep. holy shit, that game's so good. But I think as hardware, the 3DS is just bad. Like it has bad screens. It's ugly. The system itself is ugly. The touch screens are prone to uh, scratching because they're poorly designed. Um, the just everything. I snapped the fucking the fucking stylus on my 3DS the other day. It just snapped. I was just using it, and it snapped. How do you how do you snap a stylus? No, the whole thing. Just you know, it has the little kind of clip at the top. The yeah. kind of little hollow bit that you know it flexes in so that it can go into the device. I pulled yeah. it out, and that just snapped as I pulled it out, so it wouldn't oh, go back God. into 3DS. And then I've it fell out. Worry about that. Point. I snapped more of those than I yeah. care to talk about. And then that fell out, and I lost my stylus. So I don't know. The oh yeah, if you do break those, your stylus does fall out. Exactly. Yeah. So um, my girlfriend uses my 3DS now because I've been using the Switch all the time, and she has been using the stylus from her 3D or her, from her DS Lite. That, as it turns out, just fits in there perfectly. So <laughs> fair enough. That in there, um, which is fair. But anyway, I didn't expect to really. I expected to like the Switch. That's why I bought it. But yeah. I didn't expect to you know, really like it, just because, you know, it's another Nintendo thing. I was really buying it for the games. Um, yeah. I didn't think the hardware would be that great. But it's actually really good from a hardware perspective as well. So, the main kind of selling point of it is that it's a portable system that has, yep. you know, all the... Well, I said more of the buttons and stuff like that. More of the bells and whistles than you would have in other stuff, like more than even the Vita. So you have two analog yeah, sticks... I- from what I've seen of it, there's everything there. Yeah, like from button wise, it is you know it has what a controller has, um, what a modern controller has. The uh, the triggers, so it has triggers and also shoulder buttons, as you'd expect. You know, R one and R two basically. Um, yeah. The only thing is, those triggers are not analog; they're just buttons. Um, but I've not had an issue with that so far. Um, might be an issue for like racing games, basically. Um, but I think that's the only games, the only type of game I can really imagine having much of an issue with it. Um, but from a hardware standpoint, like it has all the buttons stuff you'd want. Um, but then the cool thing about it is the two sides of it slide off and work as individual controllers, um, or you can put them together and grip. Or just I've just been I actually stopped using the grip that came with it. So it comes with the You've grip. been using one in each hand, like the yeah. remote and the nunchuck? Yeah, exactly. And it's really comfortable. It's really good. Um, it took a little bit for me to get used to it. I was kind of not sold on it to start with. I'd read a bunch of people saying, yo, you should just play as like Wii Remote and Nunchuck. It's really good. And I was like, no, this doesn't feel right. These controls are really small. And that's the thing. The, the Joy-Con are tiny. They're, they're like, I don't know, maybe half, slightly more than half the size of a Wii, a Wii Remote. Um, I mean, and a lot thinner. Staring at a Jewel Shop Four, they're like if you took the center section out of a Jewel Shop Four. Yeah, they're a lot bigger than that, but yes, um, K- kind of, yeah, yeah. But they're, yeah, it's probably a good comparison. Like they're similar to a controller size, but you know they're a bit smaller and split into. Um, you can put them into the grip. The grip does work well. Um. It's still it's weird because I I held the grip up to DualShock 4 and they look about similar size, 
but it feels a lot smaller for some reason when you're holding it in that grip. It was really weird to sit and play the Switch for so long and then go back to the PS4 because the DualShock 4 feels massive. Really? Um, yeah, it's just weird. Just because you get used to using the smaller controllers again. Um, like, I don't know if you remember when the PS4 first came out. Like, the DualShock uh, 4 is a big controller. Nah, maybe it's just I'm used to it, but I don't feel that way. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't either. Like, I, it's, you forget about it because you use it all the time. It's normal. And it's a great controller. Don't get me wrong. It's, the DualShock 4 is probably my favourite controller. Um, yeah. It's, you know, but it's 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 a bit bigger than uh, previous stuff was, and and more so than these as well. Like the Joy-Con are just so small. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, then also the so the Switch itself is basically this little tablet, and to play as a portable, you attach the two Joy-Con onto either side of it, and then it just becomes a portable handheld system. Um, you can take the Joy-Con off, and the tablet itself has a little uh, kickstand. Which is how I've got it set up right now. It's like sat next to my laptop, um, and then you can pull the two Joy-Con off and just use it as a basically a screen, and you just sit and play it normally. Yeah. Um, and then also it comes with a dock as well, so you can connect dock to your TV, and then you just drop the tab- tablet into the dock. It switches, switches. Ha! Huh? See, see. Uh, it switches instantly onto the TV, and then you're just playing it on TV. And All right. it works really well. Um, games get a little bit of a, a graphical bump on the the TV. Yeah, I was going to ask how does the how does the graphical bump look when you you put it onto the the bigger um, screen? Usually, it's just kind of a resolution bump because the screen is 720p, and they downclock the inside a bit. Uh, because it's running on battery. Um, Alright, okay. And also because, um, yeah, mainly it's running on battery, so the fans don't run, or they run very low, because it has fans, because it's, well, it's a console still. It's a quite yeah. chunky tablet. If you just wanted to use it as a tablet, it's thick. Um, I didn't, from, I, I mean, I've, I've played around with yours for all of, what, five minutes or so? Yeah. Um, I didn't feel... But you, I think you had the controllers attached to it when you did. Yeah, very And like true. As, a, as a handheld, it doesn't feel thick. It actually feels relatively thin for a handheld. Um, yes. But it's when you look at it as just a tablet, it's like a, a chunky black thing. Cause I'm used to something... I've got a Nexus 7. Nexus 7 is kind of the tablet I compare it to. Um, okay, I, fair enough. Which I... Yeah, that's Those are tiny enough. and thin. Um, yes. I'm used to my iPad, so... Yeah, that too. The iPads are also pretty thin as well. Yeah, but they're a little bigger. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, so you, the games get a little bit of graphical bump. Um, main thing I've been playing, obviously, is Zelda. And Zelda looks quite a bit nicer on the TV. Um, runs a little bit worse, though. The frame rate's not quite as good on the TV compared to the handheld mode. Yeah, I um, had heard that. Which is kind of weird. That. I assume that's yeah. just a, hey, the resolution's lower, so we can make things run a bit better kind of thing. Yeah, possibly the opportunity to maybe fix that via firmware. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like there's no been not. I think there's one update for Zelda so far. You don't ex- you don't expect them to get it perfect, so. Oh no, definitely. And there's a lot of things about the Switch that I feel are unfinished. Like it feels like 
the rumours were they pushed it out relatively early to get it out before the end of their financial year because their financial year ends in March or April. I think April. Do so you think this means? And I mean, it's very early to be speculating. Do you think it means we're going to see a different, updated version of a Switch coming possibly next year? I don't know about next year, but you'll probably see it in a couple of years, like you always do. If it sells well, because you know you did with 3DS, you did with you know you do with every console. Yeah, um, but to be fair, I didn't because I bought. One 2DS and that was all I ever bought because yeah, I only so bought it for Pokemon. So you, you bought the third iteration of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. there will be 2DS and 3DS Lite equivalents of the Switch. Um, um, I mean, I don't know how they would manage the 2DS kind of version of it. Well, but yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, not specifically. I just mean there'll probably be hardware revisions down the line. Yeah. But yeah. hardware-wise, I think it's fine. Like, there's no, I've not had any issues hardware-wise. I think it's a really nice piece of kit. Um, but I think they need to update their operating system stuff a lot. Um, like, there's so little functionality in it. It is literally just play games, which is good, but, you know, you need other stuff as well. I mean, one um, of the biggest rants I've seen is, hey, you've given me this really, really cool piece of hardware, this amazing portable device, and it doesn't have YouTube or Netflix or, you know, any of media consumption. Yeah, I mean, personally, I've never used uh, media things on my consoles because I have a Chromecast. Like I don't. Yeah, it's, it's but I understand first, you know. that. I understand that for a lot of people, their console is the thing they use. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I use my PS4 for Netflix. And yeah. And I, and I I have my laptop connected to my TV via yeah. HDMI, and I still use my PS4 for Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, well, Nintendo said that those things are going to come down the line. Um, yeah. They are going to come. So, that will be a thing eventually. Um, for now, my issues are more things like you have to use friend codes to add people, which is insane. Because, like, the Wii U got rid of friend codes. Yeah. Like, they fixed this problem before, and then they launched this with. Oh, um, you do also it does also pull things from other places so if you connect it to your um, Nintendo account it will also find all of your friends that play Miitomo um, okay. which is actually where I added most of people because I can't board fucking putting in friend codes friend codes so yeah 2017 I'm not going to put in friend codes um, yeah and then uh, there's things like the games list is very similar basically the same as the PS4 one like it's got the the kind of horizontal list of games that you scroll through. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. And it has the same issue as the launch PS4 had, where I don't personally have it because I've not got enough games installed. But when you install enough games, it just shows them in a library. So you go, right, okay. you have like a you have a thing that shows the last twelve games or something like that, and then a button at the end that just says library, and it shows everything in a full list. There's no way to filter through that list. There's no. I'd put your favourites on the top. Exactly. Yeah, it's just last played. Yeah. Okay. Um, which seems, you know. I again, mean, not that much of an issue. No. I mean, if you're going to play a game, I'm sure you've got the extra ten seconds or whatever to go yeah. in the library. Yeah. Like I never actually had a massive issue with it on the PS4. It's just like if you end up with a lot of games. Um, I mean, let's be honest. As people who play video games, as video gamers. Are we that short a time? 
<laughs> but I want to get into the game so quickly. And um, you have serious time issues, and you need to be taught patience. That's definitely true. I have no patience. Um, one other thing is, you, so you can add friends, right? Either yes. friend codes or through me to almost stuff like that. And you can see that they're online. Like I can see that Nathan right now is playing Zelda, and he has played Zelda for thirty-five hours or more, which is actually way more than I thought he'd played Zelda. That's impressive. Um, you know, my friend who's Nintendo name is Floody has played Zelda for 60 hours and it's literally the only game he's played on a Switch great, good job you can't do anything with your friends like there's no you can't send them messages there's no options menu you can delete friends, block them and that's it like there's uh, games that have online support um, you can you know invite your friends to games I think I'm not sure how that works I've not so there's no like no way of chatting or no there's none of that stuff which some of that stuff is going to come in the the app that they're doing later this year so it's going to be restricted to mobile but I really hope things like messaging are not because it has a it has their equivalent of the share button which at the moment just takes screenshots yeah so I've got like a bunch of screenshots but I can I can put them on Facebook which is good yeah, but, but I can't done send certain them. things where you've like sent me screenshots via yeah. PSN and been like, "Hey, check this out; it's really cool." Because you've seen that I was online and more likely to look at a message on PSN yeah, than I was exactly. to yeah. be scrolling your Facebook feed. But you can't send stuff through, you know, Nintendo's online on the Switch at all. So you can't send screenshots to people or anything, which is really right. bummer. Slightly annoying, yeah. but again, something that could be fixed. It's I think it'll come with time. software issue than a I hardware do, issue. I do think they just launched as simple as they, you know, they wanted it to be a polished experience, and to be fair, it has been. It's, I don't know, you never had a Wii U. Um, nope. I, do, you, do you want the honest truth? Other uh, than uh, ha- other than handhelds, I have never owned a Nintendo console. I have never owned a Nintendo home console. That's fair. Um... I think I've owned because to me them. Nintendo was always portable. The only Nintendo console I didn't own was the GameCube, I think. Yeah. Never thought about that till now. That's weird. Yeah, the only one I never owned was the GameCube. Uh, um, yeah, if I buy a Switch, it will be my first Nintendo home console, and it's also going to be. It's portable. also portable. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, so I'm being forced to buy it, kind of deal. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. But it means you can play Pokemon on TV. That'll be good. Yeah, which is, you know, something I've been screaming about for how many years? Oh, everyone has. Everyone wants a... Yeah, and they don't have a choice, basically. Um, unless you keep making 3DS games, I suppose. Um, I mean, if you put the... I'll be honest with you, if you put the next Pokemon game and they, like, have the choice of, hey, you can get it on... You can get it on Switch or you can get it on DS, then I'll be picking it up on 2DS. I'm not going to shell out the money on a Switch. No, that's fair. That's fair. Because... Uh, and we all know this. The only thing I play on Nintendo is Pokemon. That's, that's it. Yeah. Occasionally Fire Emblem. I do enjoy Fire Emblem. Some rhythm games here and there. Some rhythm games, and I enjoyed Project Cross Zones as well. That's true. I, I just never bothered buying two, because I'm like, Mike, I don't have 14 million years to put into it. Oh, I barely play Project Cross Zones. loves it, but... Yeah. But anyway, let's talk about the Switch's only worthwhile launch game. Yeah, Shovel Knight. Um, no, okay, well, 
I just one more thing I wanted to say about the the operating system is like even though it's really bare bones and stuff like that, the operating system on the Switch is very fast. Like it's very nice, very fluid. It just feels nice to kind of scroll through stuff. Like it's nicely animated. It's yeah. Quick and easy to get into everything. Like as someone who's used the Xbox One a lot recently, and the Xbox One is people are going to get annoyed for me saying this. The Xbox One's a bad console. Let's just it is bad. The operating yeah, system... Yeah, people are on, definitely going to get annoyed when you're saying that. Like, it has some... Fanta- again, it has fantastic games. Like, you know, I fucking love that you can play every, all, every Halo game except for the best one on the Xbox One. Um, which is Reach. And if you think otherwise, you're wrong. Um... um <laughs> uh, Sunset yeah. Overdrive, stuff like that. All great. Well, but, ODST was better. You can play ODST on there. He's the remastered version of it too. Um, but the Xbox One, I guess I should clarify, the Xbox One's OS is the worst. Like, it is one of... The only one I can think that is worse than it is the Wii U, because the Wii U is so slow. But the Xbox One is incredibly slow. It's not user-friendly at all. It's, like, impossible to find anything. Even now, like, they've redid that OS multiple times. And it's still just so messy and so hard to find anything, and it's slow to like you open up your game list and it takes so long just to fucking open up your games list. Um, yeah. Compared to things like the PS4, um, even the PS3 by the end was really fast. Like the PS3 launched probably as bad as the Xbox One OS is now. Like it was super slow and crappy. And most importantly, the Xbox 360 had. The fastest, best UI ever. Like, I don't know how they fucked it up going from that to this. Um, but then the Switch also has just the fastest UI. It's so good. You just get into games instantly. Games just open. Um, it's so simple. Like, everything that's on the list, to be fair, it's super simple, partly because you can't do anything. So it's like, I want to buy games. The eShop button's right there. Really easy to find. Opens instantly. You buy games. Great. Yeah, because um, Nintendo want your money. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's made it easy for you to spend your money because yeah. hell let's be honest Nintendo need it now more than <laughs> ever definitely and there's um, and there's some stuff they do better than the PS4 Like I think PS4 is better overall because it's more robust and has more stuff in it but you know the PS4 if you want to view your screenshots you have to go into the capture gallery which just gets shown with the rest of your games it's getting yes. shown in that same list so it can get pushed off and then you have to you know, find another way to get into the the uh, screenshot gallery. Um, whereas on the the switch, it's just a button on the bottom. It's always there, so it's really easy to get to. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really cool. That's what I'm saying. But Zelda is kind of the only game on it at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, how is the first Zelda game you might actually ever convince me to play? It's really really good. So. Zelda Breath of the Wild is a weird departure for Zelda games. It's a big, massive open world game, which the Zelda games have always had some degree of an open world. Um, yeah. But never to a scale. This is like Elder Scrolls scale kind of world. I, I think I've, I've seen like copies of the, the Breath of the Wild map like put over GTA maps and stuff and it like dwarfs them. Yeah, like, GTA V's entire map is, like, the bottom corner of this map. Like, it's... It's a massive world. And unlike Elder Scrolls games, it's not empty. It's There's tons and tons of shit in there. Everywhere you go, 
you're just exploring and finding awesome stuff to do and puzzles to solve and items to collect and it's really cool. Um, so they have their equivalent of towers as well, uh, but unlike in Ubisoft games and uh, to some degree Horizon, yeah. towers don't just tell you where everything is. Okay. Towers just unlock the map, and the map is just a map. It is just it is a it shows you you know height variations because so you can see that's a mountain, you can see there's water here, blah blah. But it's just a map. It doesn't have anything labelled on it. Um, except for maybe like some massive overall areas. It'll be like, this is Hyrule Field. When you actually right, start okay. going to those places, it'll get marked and more ingrained. It'll be like, oh, this is the ranch on Hyrule Field. This is the temple ruins on Hyrule Field. And that kind of stuff. Um, okay. And as you find shrines, which are kind of the main thing you will find, those get marked on the map. And they're also, they also work as fast travel points. Um... And there's like a hundred okay, and twenty something of them. That makes logical sense. Yeah, and shrines are basically kind of mini dungeons. They're like usually maybe you know two or three rooms, and they kind of revolve around one puzzle. So usually it's like two variations of that puzzle. Like it's like one introductory one to teach you it, and then a second one to be challenging. Um, yeah, and the whole game is basically like these puzzles like there's a bunch of other stuff in there as well but like the main bulk of it is finding these shrines and doing these puzzles yeah, yeah and it's really good it's a really good kind of twist on both open world and on Zelda's structure because Zelda games have always been you go into the world you do a little bit of story stuff that's kind of linear and you know is okay but that takes you to a dungeon and you get yeah. to a dungeon and the dungeon is where all the puzzles are and you sit in the dungeon for like an hour and you do all the puzzles and you fight a boss at the end and that was awesome and that's great. This only has yeah. four dungeons in it. Most Zelda games have like between seven and ten-ish. This one has four because each of these many little shrines is, you know, a dungeon. Of, it's like a bit of a dungeon. It's like a bit of a mini dungeon. Exactly. Um, and how many did you say there was like a hundred and some? I think there's a hundred and... 20 or so? I don't know. Right, so you're you're fighting 120 mini-dungeons. Exactly. Um, and they don't all have bosses or anything like that. Although there, some of them are combat trials, so they are basically just boss fights. Um, so I've played, according to the Switch, which I I don't know how much I trust this hour tracker, because I know it's wrong for um, Shovel Knight. Because it says I've played a few minutes of Shovel Knight, but Shovel Knight's in-game clock says I've been playing it for three hours, so that's not quite right. I mean, maybe that's just a few minutes to the Switch. Yeah, from what I understand, I think people were suggesting that it rounds up, it uh, rounds down uh, every five hours. So, because I've not played five hours of Shovel Knight yet, it rounds down to a few minutes, which uh, makes sense. Um, Zelda Breath that, of the Wild. It you says would think I've, it would like round down every hour around, you would you know. think so right every hour would make more sense mm, yeah, yeah. instead of five but, but then you know. again maybe they knew exactly how many hours people would be playing Zelda for because mine says I've played 55 hours or more of Zelda yeah which um, I mean, is, and that sounds about right that sounds about right I've done three out of the four dungeons uh, I'm on the road to the fourth one but I keep getting distracted by like side quests and stuff like that because there's also side quests you 
like I think um, something that's probably important for a lot of people if they're they were like me and were kind of worried about um, the the quality of the the open world. Yeah. Because all of the footage that they showed before was set in the the plateau, which is like the starting area, which is a very tiny, tiny part of the map. Um, even though it, you know they were showing like eight hours of gameplay of it at E3 last year, because you can do eight hours of stuff in there if you wanted to, but it's a very small part of the map. Um, yeah. It's as a result, the world looks really empty because of the stuff they showed. It looks like it was just these shrines and ruins to explore and stuff like that, which in itself is really fun. But there yes. are also multiple villages and towns, and there are lots of loads people of around. other stuff. Yeah, there's lots of people. All the races from all the other po- uh, I was gonna say Pokemon from all the other Zelda games show up. I mean, um, I, I would be straight into that Zelda game if there was wild Pokemon on. I would list. be pretty <laughs> happy. If, I mean, there's Koroks, and Koroks are basically just Pokemon. Um, Come on now, let's. You've just you've just gave Nintendo the best idea ever. Yeah. Zelda cross Pokemon. Yeah, they should do that. They should definitely do that. Um, that's Whereas, the thing though. Koroks are little woodland creatures that you find throughout the map, and they are again just more puzzles. Like there's so many puzzles in this game. It's a real, basically a puzzle game. There's lots of combat and stuff like that as well, but basically a puzzle game. Um. And Koroks have these little puzzles that are built into the world rather than into shrines. Yeah. So you'll just be walking around and you'll see something that looks wrong. So, for example, you'll be walking around and you'll see three shrines. And two of them, all of them have little bowls in front of them. And two of them have apples in the bowls. And one of them empty. If you walk over there and you put an apple in it, Korok shows up says, good job, you solved my puzzle, gives you a thing. Alright, so, it's a math puzzle. It's, barely, it's not even math, it's just, those two have an apple, this one doesn't. Give it's it an just, apple. It's just, this is different from the rest. It's like a spot the difference puzzle more than anything else. So, um, so what you're saying is, the current has two apples, but he wants three. Exactly, yes. <laughs> um, he just wants three apples. He wants three apples, basically. Uh, although actually it's quite funny because you can just go and pick up all the apples afterwards <laughs> so you just end up with more apples than you started with and also the thing he gave you um, which is good because a large part of this game is cooking and making food uh, like there's no healing items in this game all the okay. healing comes from food so all you're right. finding ingredients in the world so you're picking herbs and you're you know climbing trees to get apples or you're fishing and by fishing I mean you jump in the water and you picking grab herbs, yourself a goddamn you know, you fish want, picking herbs because you know you want that uh, that healing food to taste good you want, you want that herb you know the Hyrule herb yeah I've heard good things about the Hyrule herb get the herb um, yeah yeah herbs and mushrooms and drugs and also um, like you cook them Zelda all together. Mario forever making drug use okay. Exactly, yeah. Uh, also, lots of bananas. I keep finding ninjas that drop bananas. I'm not really sure about that. I don't know what's going on there. They just drop bananas when you kill them. Are the bananas in pajamas? No, and they're not coming down the stairs. It's a waste of bananas. They're called mighty bananas, though, to be fair, which is 
If that's if it's okay. That's pretty I'll good. You, I will give you the mighty bananas. Mighty bananas. But yeah, so you cook things. So you can either uh, you have to find like a pot that's over a fire, and then you can just drop ingredients into it and you cook food. And if you most things just go together. Like you don't have to care too much about it. It's just like you drop a mushroom in, you'll get cooked mushroom. You drop two mushrooms in, you'll get a cooked mushroom skewer because you skewer them all together and it gives you more hearts back. You drop two mushrooms in and an agility herb and you get a mushroom skewer that will also make you run faster. And there's dozens of variations of that stuff. There's lots of different kind of boosts and stuff like that that they can give you. You know, you get spicy things so that you don't get affected by cold weather as much because that's how spicy food works just like in real life um, you get uh, electro things which mean that you get boosted electricity resistance you know like you do oh yeah totally remember that time you that ate that fish and you couldn't get electrocuted good time yeah yeah um, but yeah so you do a lot of cooking which is pretty awesome although what downside is cooking is you cook like one thing at a time basically so the way you cook is you go into your materials menu you press the hold button on all of the things you want to hold and you, it shows a nice little animation of Link trying to hold all this shit and uh, you do that and then you manually walk over drop it in a pot it plays a little animation which you can skip if you want to but it's quite a nice animation of all the food getting cooked together you get food but then you have to do that manually for everything and I'm getting so much stuff at this point and also getting well, the enemies hit you fucking hard in this game like you would lose a lot of hearts so I'm eating a lot of food and so yeah. I need every time I find a pot I'm like alright great I'm going to make another six meals and that's going through that process six times oh man and it's real slow I was going to um, say can you not just like bulk no bulk there's, there's no I really wish there was a way to just be like, I'm going to make five of these, just do it. Yeah, can you not meal prep for the week? <laughs> you cannot meal prep for the week. Or you can, but it's like more realistic meal prepping for the week in that you're actually sitting doing it and taking the time. Um, yeah, but if you're meal prepping for the week, you know, you're at least you're cooking all of the crap at one time in one big pot. Like I guess that's true, yeah. That'd so it's probably, it's probably genuinely faster doing it in real life. It'd be, yeah, it'd be really good if you could just like cook all of your ingredients in one pot and then you separate it and just like that gives you six meals good job um, you now have six stews exactly yeah you made enough soup for the month enjoy <laughs> um yeah come back a day later what the hell happened you just ate a month's worth of soup <sighs> I could eat a month's worth of soup that's, that's something I've done before no I'm talking about in the game Karen. oh yeah no, I don't know if there's soup in the game there might be Let's look at what I've got now. What have I got now? I have mushroom skewers, salt grilled prime meat. That sounds good. Hearty salt grilled greens. That sounds awful. Hearty prime meat and seafood fry. The words hearty have never been put with greens before. No. Uh, hearty things are things that give you extra hearts. So. Makes sense. Makes so, sense. So, like, if you have five hearts, which you can upgrade, like, when you do shrines you get stuff that lets you upgrade you basically get the equivalent of a piece of heart um, uh, if you have five hearts and you eat a hearty thing that has plus three it will give you eight hearts um, but once you, once you lose those extra hearts they don't come back 
Unless you get another thing that boosts you again. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, I'm really liking the food system. It's just I wish you could bulk make things. Um, yeah, and the world is just awesome. There's so much cool stuff to do in it. And I keep thinking... Like, for the past... like I finished the third dungeon on Saturday, I think. On the train to my parents. Because it's a portable system. And I can play a full Zelda game on it now. And that's great. Um, that is a benefit, yes. It's so good. But I finished the third dungeon on Saturday and I was like, okay, I get to the point where I'm just going to start mainlining this. I'm just going to go to the fourth dungeon and do it. And it's been almost a week now and I've not reached the fourth dungeon yet. And I've been playing Zelda for at least like, I'd say at least an hour and a half to two hours a day. And I, it's just because I keep finding stuff. Or on, like, last night I was just like, actually, there's this mountain over here that I've not been to yet. I should just go and walk around on that mountain and see what's there. And it's yeah. the kind of game you can do that, because also you can climb stuff, so you go, there's a lot more verticality than the Elder Scrolls games and stuff like that have. You're not, you know, trying to jump up the side of a mountain like in Skyrim. Um... Hey, hey, those Skyrim physics are great. Skyrim physics are great. Oh, there's some real dodgy horse stuff in this game too, so I guess that's one thing they have in common. Um, but yeah, like, I was, I'm going to walk around on this mountain, find stuff, found a bunch of cool little puzzles and, you know, characters, and I found, like, a snowboarding thing that you can do, which is pretty awesome. Um, so, like, it's that kind of game where the fun of the game is not necessarily in the dungeons and the story stuff, like, you could mainline it, and it probably wouldn't take you that long. In fact, you can run straight to the last boss. Like, the game opens up the last boss at the start. You don't need to do any dungeons, they're optional. Oh, so you could literally just, you know, straight to, straight to the end game. Done. I bet it'd be impossibly hard, given I you would, would be starting with three hearts and no weapons. <laughs> if you ran to the I last mean... boss, you'd probably die. But you could do it. Let's, let's, okay, so... I bet Speedrunner's done it. Already. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the chances it's already on YouTube? Oh, I, I 100% guarantee there's a Speedrunner on YouTube who has already done that. Um, which I will not watch, because I've not went to the last boss yet, so I don't want to, you know, spoil it. On the other hand... I mean, spoilers, the last boss is Ganon. I mean, it's a fucking Zelda game. What do you expect? On the other hand... I'm probably I'm probably gonna go watch it. Yeah, you should. I think you would quite like this game, which I know you don't like Zelda games, but it is so similar to the type of games that you do like. Like I will do you a deal, and if I buy a Switch, I will buy that game. Oh yeah, definitely. And then you'll lose like a hundred hours of your time, and you'll be like, oh no, what I, what have I done? What is this? Because like it does have that Elder Scrolls kind of thing where you are in this massive world, and there's so much to do. But unlike Elder Scrolls, it plays well. Oh, that those are harsh words because I like I like Elder Scrolls games. Like, I I don't mind Elder Scrolls games. I've played a lot of them, if nothing else. But the combat in Elder Scrolls, for example, is terrible. I think it was perfectly fine. It's terrible. The dialogue in Elder Scrolls games. Do, is do, do we all do we all know me as a game player? Yeah. 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 So, 
So, are you going to win this argument of whether I think Elder Scrolls games are good or not? No, I'm not trying to tell you that they're bad. Like, uh, if you like games, you like games. And I, I enjoyed Skyrim quite a lot. Um, yeah, I'm actually weirdly enjoying Skyrim Remastered a hell of a lot, even though it's I'm buggy. slightly looking forward to that Skyrim port for the Switch. More Skyrim Remastered on PS4. More I regrettably got it for Christmas and once my fiance left I think I put 60 hours into it. Paul, what if you could take it anywhere? Yeah, <laughs> and here's here's the thing. If Skyrim port onto the Switch was out for June, I would be buying one to take on my trip to the States with me. I can see that. That would make sense. I assume it's a good... Well, you know what? It's, it's Skyrim. It'll run the way it runs. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you you can't make Skyrim any worse or better. I mean, that, that PS3 version of Skyrim was real rough. I don't think it'll P- be that the, bad. The PS4 version of Skyrim is still real rough. The PS3 one was straight up unplayable, though. That was the PS3 one had a memory leak, so if you played it for a certain number of hours, the game literally just didn't work. Yeah, which yeah. is great. Um, but yeah, Zelda's really good. <laughs> to get back on what the, the to get back on your your point here. My point was Zelda's really good. It's got all that kind of open worldy stuff, but also the combat's really good, and also the characters are really well written. There's a lot of really funny dialogue in there. It's real goofy. The kind of minor spoilers for people because I know people are kind of trying to avoid every bit of story. But let's face it, if you the kind of people that would consider spoilers would consider everything we've talked about so far spoilers as well. Um, Hashtag. Hashtag spoilers. Hashtag spoilers. Um, the kind of setup for this game is basically that Link is Link has been asleep for a hundred years and wakes up and everything's gone to shit. And so everywhere you go, people are like, eh, you know, I I would help you, out, but you know, this is something that is only really done by. You know, those champions that used to be around like a hundred years ago. It's a shame they're all dead. And you're like, motherfucker, I'm Link. I'm the champion of champions. I am Link, goddammit. And they do some really cool story stuff with that. With the whole just premise of... Because no one remembers who Link is. No, well, people remember who Link is, but they assume he's dead. So, you know, you prove yourself to some people, but other people are just like, uh, Link's dead. I don't know, man. You can't be Link. That's not how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really awesome. Um, and there's an armor system in it, which I. Hang on, he's been as- he's been asleep for a hundred years. Did is he in some cryostasis or some shit? Because you know, someone went to sleep for a hundred years, they'd be dead. Yeah, yeah, basically, it, it's weird. That's also the other weird thing is, I've people Zelda fans have been like kind of jokingly, somewhat asking for a sci-fi Zelda for a long time, and this is basically. A sci-fi, a sci-fi Zelda. Zelda. You wake up in like what is essentially a cryopod. There are giant robot spider monster things everywhere. There's. You get laser swords. You get basically lightsabers in that game. Fair enough. It's weird. It's really good. I will. I will take a lightsaber. Lightsaber link. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't really be much of a surprise, but yeah. Breath of the Wild is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Don't know if I'd recommend getting a Switch for it, 
Unless you're insane like me. If uh, you already own a Wii U, just get on the Wii U. Yeah, I've heard that Wii U version's fine. I've heard that yeah. it's a little lower resolution. The frame rate's maybe not quite as good, but also the frame rate's pretty rough on the Switch as well. So what I should do is yeah. buy a pre-owned Wii U and just play it there. I don't think it would save you that much money, but yeah, probably. Ah, uh, you can pick up a pre-owned Wii U for around 160 That's not too bad, I guess. Um, but for £100 more, you could... Because uh, then once you've bought Breath of the Wild, you're talking another 40 quid. so for £100 more, you you know, could technically own a Switch with Breath yeah. of the Wild. The advantage of buying a Wii U at this point is just that there's not going to be any more Wii U games, let's be honest. So, getting a Wii U, you if you're considering buying a Wii U, you now know exactly what there is for it. You can kind of price it up in your head as to whether it is worthwhile for you, because you're like, well, I want Zelda, I want Bayonetta, I want Wonderful 101, I want whatever I want. I want, I want Splits. I want Splatoon and Pokemon Tournament, despite how bad that is. Splatoon's probably a bad investment at this point, given Splatoon 2 comes out in like two months for the Switch. Yeah. So I imagine Splatoon is not going to have a very big player base anymore. It has a really good single player, to be fair, but multiplayer is the point of that game. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying my Switch so far. Um, well, it's good to know. Yeah, Zelda's the main thing I've been playing. I also played a bunch of Fast RMX, which is... You really liked that game on the Wii U, so... I did, and uh, the Switch version is a lot better. Um, it's a, it, on the Wii U, it was called Fast Racing Neo. Um, it is a, you know, kind of wipe-out, F-Zero-style, kind of futuristic racing game. Yeah. Um, the Wii U version was hard as balls because it had really kind of rubber bandy. AI that would just kind of show up. The Wii U version was freaking hard as nuts. It was. Uh, the Switch I, version is still hard, but it's, it feels fairer. The AI is not just like. You won't be. In the Wii U version, you could be boosting and just hit a boost pad, and also, you know, you, like, you could have just landed perfectly, hit your boost, and also hit a boost pad, and basically be going the fastest you can go, and then an AI would overtake you. Yeah. You'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, you know, that gif that people keep posting of the dudes doing, like, 200 miles an hour down a fucking motorway and then someone overtakes them? It's yeah. that. It's, it's like that. It's the whole, like, I am literally, you know, going as fast as I can go and you are going faster. That is not fair. Um, <laughs> the switch that is not fair, that. despite the way that that's how speeds work. <laughs> it's not how speeds work. They can't go faster than me. You can't go faster than the fastest speed. But if you buy a car that has a faster than your fastest speed. Well, that's the thing, though. They, they're all similar speeds. Um, I, I know, Karen. I'm just... Yeah, I know. I know, I know. But um, the Switch version doesn't have that. They've rebalanced I'm doing all everything all in my power to wind you up. Because <laughs> uh, I am an asshole. We all are. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I'm really liking my time with the Switch so far. Wouldn't really recommend one right now, like if the game, game library is not big enough. Yeah, basically, there's no games on it. Like, um, there will be games on it, and it's I'm happy to be an early adopter of it because I've been playing Zelda on the tram every day for the past two weeks, and that's fucking great. But you know, other than that, Solitaire hardware. 
Yeah, really good piece of hardware. When there's games on it you want, it is a legit buy. Like there's no, I don't, I don't have any issues recommending it, recommending it when there is software that you want. Uh, and it seems like it's selling well, so hopefully it continues to, and we get a bunch of games from it. Um, like I want the dream to be true. I want this to be the Nintendo system, because Nintendo struggled to get third parties on board, so the whole Wii U gets some games but not many because Nintendo can only make so many games and yeah. then the 3DS gets some games but not many because Nintendo can only make so many games if it's and here's just, the thing though but they yeah. seem to have gotten like a crap load of third party support for the Switch so there's definitely at least a decent amount of stuff mostly indies there's a lot of indie stuff coming which is also great because hey. that's the main thing I use my Vita for at this point where we are in the world of gaming, some of the best games coming out are indies. Yeah. Human Resource Machine comes out, uh, or it came out in America for the Switch. I think it comes out here next week. You should play that. I might pick up. Uh, we can actually convince you to play Human Resource Machine on something. Yeah, I can play on the Switch. Uh, and also that company's other games as well, like uh, uh, World of Goo, which, man, remember World of Goo? That came out good like, game! That came out like a decade ago. Um, it's a good game. I do like World of Goo. I'm terrible at it, but I like it. And uh, what was the other one they made for you, Born Things? Maybe they should make a new one that incorporates Human Resources Machine and make it World of Gooey. No, well, this podcast is over. I was... <laughs> um, yeah, so there's stuff coming, but a lot of the stuff you've seen before, and so I really hope it does just end up being, you know what, fuck it, Nintendo is putting all the stuff they would put on 3DS and also all the stuff they would put on Wii U onto this. So we end up with a console that has a shitload of Nintendo games on it and also a bunch of indies and the occasional third-party developer as well. Yeah, I mean... I'd be happy with that. I'm trying to think, like, what I would I would want to play portably on the Switch right now, and... I mean, Pokemon is obviously the thing for you. Yeah, Pokemon, but... Out with the that... I'm trying to think of stuff that I'm kind of playing at the moment. I would love to see the HD remasters of Kingdom Hearts get put on there. That'll never happen. But yeah, I, I, that probably wouldn't happen, but that would be nice. It would be very nice. Um, Square has really stuff for it. Um, I am Sitsuna is out, so there's definitely, there definitely might be stuff. Oh. I, would like, I would like to see a port of uh, World of Final Fantasy on it. Yeah. Because the um, version of that runs like garbage. Yeah, okay, World of Final Fantasy on there. And bravely default like the next one of those. Yes, yeah, that would be that seems like a, a no-brainer because those games sold really well. Port on 3DS. Yeah. Yeah. So something like that on there with the ability to use the the boosted graphics of the the Switch as a portable. Yeah. That would just look stunning. Definitely. Um, I the one thing that one thing that I really wish they had had there at launch, but they don't, uh, is the Virtual Console. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what... They've confirmed it's coming, but, you know, it's not there yet. Um, and I think that if the Switch ends up being, you know, a bunch of first-party Nintendo games, a bunch of indie games, and then also a bunch of really good emulated games, fucking perfect portable system for me. Especially if it has all the stuff that the Wii U and the 3DS had for Virtual Console, which there's no reason why it shouldn't. Um, yeah. That would mean yeah. 
that would basically mean you'd have NES games, SNES games, uh, Nintendo 64 games, uh, Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance games, DS games. The rumors were saying GameCube games, which would be fantastic. Oh, God, can you imagine portable multiplayer Switch version of N64 Goldeneye? That would be really good. That would never happen because um, the license rights are insane. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> because Nintendo owns part of the rights to it. Rare owns part of the rights to it because they developed the game. And they're owned but by Microsoft. can you imagine how good that I would think, be? I think Activision still has the rights to 007, even though they're not making any games based on it because it's 2017 and who's going to buy a 007 game? Unless it is Goldeneye. Um on the Switch. Yeah, on the Switch. I mean, that would be great. That's One thing is that I've, I've played a couple of um, things, so you can sync the Joy-Con in a way that lets you use them as individual controllers, so you can play multiplayer games just with the the two controllers that, you know, or the one controller, basically, that comes with the system. Yeah. Um, which we did briefly at Mike's last week. Um, but I've done it a bunch at work now, we played a couple of fighting games because even though there's no virtual console, there is a few Neo Geo games that a company yes. called Hamster has put out. Uh, they've also put out some really good arcade ports on the PS4. So I bought okay. I bought Waku Waku Seven, which is like a Neo Geo fighting game that's kind of a parody of a bunch of other stuff, and it's really good. Um, I played a bunch of that with someone, just each of us using one Joy-Con, and also yeah. we played Bomberman because he picked up uh, Bomberman. Super Bomberman R, which is a Switch launch game, um, which is Bomberman. I've never been a big Bomberman fan, but it seems like a good one of those. Um, and those yeah. controllers are... Those controllers are really small, and I don't recommend playing them that way unless you have the the wrist strap that comes with it. Yeah. Which you slide on, and it also basically increases the... the I was going to say width. Width if you're holding it like a Wii remote, but height if you're using it like a, a little controller. Um, and that makes it really comfortable to use. Like I was slightly worried because I didn't think that would actually be a thing that's worth playing. It seemed a bit gimmicky. But yeah. I, I can actually see myself playing stuff at lunchtime you know, with friends. Like Puyo Puyo Tetris comes out uh, next month. And that that's, is kind of the game that seems like it is basically made for this. You're, that's the... Yeah, that's your life over. Oh, yeah. Finish definitely. Zelda and then just play for your Tetris. Yeah, like put another hundred hours into something. That isn't Horizon. <laughs> definitely. You're like, nah, I'm going to get Tetris. through the deep story of Puyo Puyo Tetris. Um, now, that, now that it'll have English language. Yeah, exactly. I'm feeling no why the devil, so. Um, but yeah, I guess I've been ranting about the Switch for long enough now, but it's, it's cool. I like it. Um, I think it's a good move from Nintendo. I hope it pays off for them because I want to see more games on it. And you know, there's a good lineup of stuff coming out, even if you know it's mainly Nintendo just stuff. So you know, Zelda's at launch. Um, but all, hmm? at this stage of Nintendo's life, do we expect them to release anything that's heavily supported by third party? No. I think there'll probably be a decent amount of third parties on this releasing 3DS quality games. 
like I think um, you know the Professor Laytons and the Phoenix Wrights of the world are probably still going to come out on this. Oh yeah, I mean, um, there's no doubt about that, and those games sell so freaking well. So. Exactly. Yeah. Nintendo um, are not going to be short of sales for this, and I, I genuinely don't think they're ever going to be short of sales of the system itself, not with the initial sales reports. Yeah, I'm interested in finding, um, seeing how it sells going forward, because it was always going to sell out at launch. Like, it had a Zelda game at launch. The the sell-through rate for Zelda was something like 90% of people that bought a Switch bought Zelda. It's, like, insane. Um... Sims pretty much the only thing to buy it for at launch. It's kind of like I've one two switch seems kind of terrible. I've not actually played it yet though, so I don't know. Um, and, and, and so here's the thing, Mister Paul Russell, Nintendo hater, extraordinaire, <laughs> message Kieran midweek this week and says I kind of want a switch. And then Kieran, Nintendo fan. Mainly software more than hardware, but Nintendo fan who is loving his Switch said, no, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, nah, you shouldn't do that yet. Yet, yeah. Wait till Pokemon comes out, or Skyrim or something. I think Skyrim is probably going to be a thing that will push you over, actually, because there's no guarantee that Pokemon will come out this year. But I think when Skyrim comes out this year, and, you're, and if it's a decent version of that game, you'll be like, oh man, I could play Skyrim anywhere. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, my only... My only thing, and as I've discussed this before, is I don't commute via public transport anymore. I drive. So commuting for me where I could actually do it is a 4,000-mile commute to go and see the fiancé in the States, which just happens to be an almost 24-hour trip. So, Well, the battery life is not that good. Nah. No. Um, uh, yeah. The battery but, life is kind of about 3DS levels. Like, I played a bunch of Zelda at the weekend and ran the battery down for the first time, and... It lasts yeah, about three hours. It, it comes with a USB-C cable, does it not? Yeah. Uh, I bought a USB-C yeah. battery pack. I um, gen- I genuinely... The um, the airline I fly, they have USB power sockets in all the seats. That's pretty awesome. So yeah, you can just charge it. They have, they have Wi-Fi on, on flight and USB power sockets in all the seats. Yeah. You just charge on those. Or run the power of those. Yeah, pretty much. Take a dock with you. Just dock it. Talk um, it in the screen in the back of the, the back of the seat in front of me. I bet I bet they don't let you do that. I, I bet you they don't. I bet you. I bet you can't. I bet you can't just like pull that screen and stick a fucking HDMI cable on it. Um, Excuse me, sir. What are you doing? I'm just plugging Zelda. Plugging okay. HDMI cable on the youth. The youth fucking mess with our airplane. Oh god, we need to we need to land. Get him off the plane. Pretty sure if they see me coming on with cables to be able to do that, I just wouldn't go on the plane. Yeah, probably not. Anyway, let's uh, let's get on and not talk about video games. Yeah, let's talk about board games. Games that make you bored. They make us bored. Now that Mike's not here, we can stop pretending to like board games. Yeah, fucking board games, right? Jesus Christ! Yo, Mike keeps making us play so many fucking board games. I thought we were just gonna play Jackbox all weekend. Ah, that's what I heard. Jackbox party pack all weekend. Uh, if only that were true, I would have spent so much less money on board games. Yeah, very. I mean, I like this because as much money as I think I've spent on board games, I've spent nothing in comparison to you two, and 
I just get to play all your guys' stuff, so. That's fair. That's fair. I, really I mean, we've been through this before. I The only people I really play tabletop stuff with is yourselves, so... Yeah, so there's no point in that. So I had a similar thing where... So I'll talk about one of the first games we played, which was Unlock. Um, yep. Which is a really cool, really cool game where uh, you have a deck of cards that are is basically a, a, a an escape room. So you start with a room, and that room that room card has a bunch of numbers on it for all the items in the room. So you look at the cards in the deck that have those numbers in the back, and yep. that is those items. And then you match them together to solve puzzles. And when you solve a puzzle, or think you solve a puzzle, you add the number of the... All the puzzles are solved basically by using items with other items. And by using items with other items, you basically add the numbers of those two items together. Find out if there's a card of that number in the deck. If there is, you pull that card out. Then you've solved the puzzle and you get that card. And usually it's like, there's a lockbox and there's a key. Lockbox yeah, is seven, more or less. Key is a four. So you find card 11. Card 11 is an open lockbox. That simple. Yes, it's that simple. That simple. But at the same time, it's Easy tough. peasy. Easiest it. game. Fucking hard. Oh, it's so fucking uh, hard. The main thing that we kept stumbling on is, uh, stumbling, like, that stopped us was, um... Bad mathematics? No, there was hidden stuff in some of the cards. So some of the cards have numbers on them that are kind of hidden in the environment. So the idea is like the equivalent of if you're in an escape room, looking really carefully at oh if under this table. like a picture on the wall or yeah, like exactly. under a table or something yeah, yeah. Um, and we missed one of those and it fucked us up for like ages um, and it, yeah it actually knocked us off order yes well that's the thing like I think when we were struggling some of us started to just start adding any numbers of anything on any of the cards just in case and as a result we nearly broke the order of a couple of things because they were just like oh we do this and this and it's like well we got a record and it's like but you were turning on the power of a thing that would not give you a record we fucked this that's not yeah right. like that's not oh the yeah that, that makes complete sense like we got a record and then you like you, you go no it doesn't so no, you put no. it back exactly. but you know you're getting a record further down the line yeah which I think that just needs players to be more uh, yeah. controlling Same. and careful. Just be like, look, actually think of a logic for something. Don't just add the numbers and the cards together. If you don't have a reason for doing it, don't sensible. do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, unlike us. Unlike us. But the reason I, I chose this one to talk about first is, like you were talking about, um, you don't buy a lot of board games because you only play board games with us. I'm not going to buy this even though I really liked it. Because Mike owns it. There's only three scenarios in the game that in the box that come with the game. Yeah, and there's two more coming as expansions. Two more coming as expansions, which you, from what I understand, don't need the base game to play because nope. there were self-contained decks. You just need the expansions, so I might buy those. But you just need to the premise. Exactly, and um, the thing is, if I was to buy Unlock now. It's one of those things where you can kind of only play scenario once because you know the answer. Like even if you yeah. don't, even if you haven't memorized it, it's one of those things where next time you saw the card come out, you'd be like, "Oh, this is the planets, so we need to do this." Yeah, exactly. Because it's the planet. This is that picture of a wing. It's you know because it's the picture of a wing. Duh. 
And you remember what it does because you've done it before. Yeah, and then you go, oh yeah, we need to do that for that, and people are like, but how do you know that? Because if you're playing with different people, I've done this before. Yeah, I've done it before. So it's not as fun. Um, no, and so I think that's where the downfall of the game might be. Yeah, um, three scenarios doesn't seem like a lot of content for the game, for a 20 quid game. Um, 20? Try 30. Uh, it was 22 in most places I saw. It's 30 on Amazon because I tried to buy it. Alright. Uh, there's some places in board game prices that have uh, got it for between 20 and 30. Okay, um, so I might actually... 23.25 is the cheapest price for it. Cool. I may purchase that then, because even though I've played the first scenario, I want to take that on holiday with me and play it with the people who have going to visit. So. That's, that's fair. And like, I may still pick it up at some point, but it's that thing where Mike owns it, there's only three scenarios in the game, and I've played one of them. So yeah. when I buy that box, I'm buying it and saying, I'm buying this between 20 and £30 product for two-thirds of the content, knowing that Mike has it, and I'm probably going to play at least one play more of those... Of I'm going to play at least one more of those scenarios with Mike. Most now, likely. That's going to happen, right? So, that means that I'm buying this box for, at most, one-third of the content in the box. <laughs> yeah. And, at that point, that's why I said I'd probably buy the expansions if you can just use them standalone, because... At that point, I might as well just buy the expansions because if I buy a, a scenario at a time, then I don't need to. You know, I I don't need to buy this whole thing, including ones I've done before. I just buy them as they come out and be like, "Well, this is the one yeah. I'm not playing with Mike. This is the one I play with others." But then also you have to kind of hope that the difficulty of the ones that come out aren't just escalating all the time because. If they are, then I kind of need that base game, and I kind of need to replay the starter one that we did, even though I've done it before. Because yeah. how else you could teach people to play the game? Yeah. You can't just go. True. This is the this is the nightmare difficulty one that just came out as an expansion for people who've already played it. But I've played the other ones and you haven't, so let's just start with that. Doesn't really work because it was hard enough as it was. Yes. Um, but we haven't actually explained really much. Well, I guess we did explain how it works. Like, uh, there's not but much it, to it beyond what we said. That is, that is it explained. Yeah, like a lot of it is logic puzzles. It's made to simulate a uh, uh, escape room, and I think it does really well with it. Actually, I think the bit that broke was us. Like we, when we struggled, um, mainly because we weren't, we didn't really know the rule too much about finding kind of hidden numbers on cards. Once we knew that, we didn't really have any more issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to, but like, um, oh, I've lost my train of thought already. Um, you, in general, you have a <laughs> I just train of thought. It's overall just pretty awesome. Like, I, I think it's really good. Like, it simulates that stuff real well. There's a lot. The logic behind the puzzles makes sense. There's a lot of. I find this key. I use it on this door, or, um. What was it we found this projector and it does this thing and we found projector slides and we found this and that and we found this and we found a wire and we found a, a box that yeah I, I, and we found a telephone and you at know, like, certain points you're going we found a telephone oh but the telephone's got no power oh crap uh, we, uh, also have, we also have a wire and we have an engine hmm what do we yeah. do 
Um, yeah, it's. I really liked it. I I look forward to playing the other two of those. Um, it yes, did kind of in too. some ways ruin our board game day because it was really hard and it broke us, so we played easy games for the rest of it. Yeah, I say ruin and that just that we didn't play anything more complicated again, which is not yeah. a bad thing. I don't no, know. I mean, we actually made this this the effort to go. And no, I, I can't take anything more mentally demanding because that was really me- it was a mentally demanding hour. It was a really mentally demanding hour. It was great though. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's unlock. Um, yeah, and other than that, we played so we played some easier stuff after that. We played Fable Fruit, which we've talked about in here a bunch. I think we might have gave a game to game of the year award to it. Um, yeah. Play on my list because I really liked it. Um, Fable Fruit's great. Yeah. Fable Fruit's awesome. Um, we played. We picked up just where Mike's game was, which was further than I, my game is at least. Um, because people don't know Fable Fruit. We talked about it here before. As you play the game, the rules change. And then it's got that kind of thing where once the game ends, you pick up, pick up the next game from where the rules were at the end of the last game. Yeah. So we got to the point where we started introducing some rules that were really different from anything I'd played before. And even the starter rules, there was a couple there that I just hadn't seen before. Um, which was really cool. I was really enjoyed it. Um, I always really enjoyed Fable Fruit. It's really light. It's basically a kid's game, but the little the gimmick, basically, of having this constantly evolving set of rules so that every time you play it is slightly different. It, it yeah. works. Like it's, it is a gimmick, but it, it works really well. Um, it's... Yeah. It's super light, but also with the ever-evolving and changing rules, it's not light at the same time, if that makes any form of sense. Yeah, some of the rules can get complicated or be used in a complicated way. Yeah, um, I mean, if you start playing it in a more adult way, it becomes a more adult game. Yeah, a more adult game. Yeah, I get what you're getting at. Cue sexy, cue sexy porno music. Make those cocktails. You're the one that edits this podcast. You have to add the sexy. Oh, you can't just damn. say it. You can't just say that. That's your job. <laughs> damn. Um, yeah. So feel free. I, there's not Talking a lot about sexy porno music. Cat Well, wait. No, sorry. Billionaire bash. <laughs> it's like, what game are you talking about? <laughs> I, I actually was like, sexy porno. Cat Tower. Um, Billionaire Banshee. The entire premise of it is a cheesy porno. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Billionaire Banshee, which I've talked about a little bit on here before, but this was the first time you and Mike had played it, um, which is uh, a party game. I always compare it like to Cards Against Humanity and stuff like that, just because it, it doesn't play anything like them, but it fits the same kind of scenario. Like, this is the game you would bring out to play in the kind of scenario you would play Cards Against Humanity. It's a kind of light, funny thing. Yeah, fillery, or you can play it with a big group of people really easily. But the way it basically works is every turn uh, a player flips over a card from the perk deck and one from the quirk deck. And they read off those two cards and that is the person that they have to choose whether they will date or deny. And they decide and put their card face down off to the side. And everyone else puts their card face down to decide whether they would date, uh, whether the person who chose them, the cards out will date or deny it. Yeah, everyone flips yeah. over except for the person that chose originally. And, and then you go through one by one. 
and everyone just explains why they think the person would do it. Why would Paul date uh, an octopus who also is a famous rock star? Like, you know, why do we think Paul would do that? And we go through one by one, and everyone goes, I think Paul would do it because, you know, he will overlook the octopus tentacles he really likes rock music. Yeah, or he will overlook the octopus tentacles because, you know, you can have fun sending them in at the store like Octodad. Yes, also, yeah, that card is literally Octodad. (laughs) They had some weird indie... It was a Kickstarter game, and they had a bunch of indie developers get stuff. There's also a roundabout card in there, which is a skeleton called Jeffrey, who uh, always tells puns... makes lots of puns about bones but also only knows two puns about bones. Yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. good. Um, Karen would totally date that guy. I said that. No one else chose that because they were like, the puns would get boring real quickly. And then we, throughout the course of the evening, made two puns about bones, which was great. It was great. Continuously. Oh, it was so good. I really For the liked absolute horror and hatred of your girlfriend. Yeah, because she was the one that drew that one. And she was like, no. And she was like, I would not date someone that makes terrible puns all the time. And I was like, you're dating me. What are you talking about? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, what have I done? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I fucking love Billionaire Banshee. Um, I think you you guys all seem to enjoy it as well. Oh, God, yeah. I really want to buy a copy of that. Um, even I think it even be good for just, like, taking in the uni and playing at lunch or oh, whatever. Yeah, definitely. It is that kind of game. Playing yeah. with some drinks, I bet it would be real good. Yeah, taking in the uni. Really yeah. Cut um, my drinks down. That would become hilarious. Yeah, that makes clear. Not that it isn't already. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's some variations to it that I've not actually played. I've only played that, the basic game. Um, but now I've played it with two players and six players and five of us. Yes. So I've played it with a handful of different kind of sizes, and it scales really well. It worked really well with just two players. Like sitting playing it with your girlfriend, when both of you are just trying to guess whether the other person to date or deny it and you're like I, oh, yeah I, I can imagine that being rather fun and I'd probably get <laughs> a pick a coffee up it's really funny I really it, recommend it it comes out at like what 10 10 pounds something like that uh, I think I got mine for 16 or so oh it's a bit more than I was thinking it's then. a bit but more yeah, no. but it's worth it because you can play it so many times it's one of those games that you just play over and over it's it yeah it never gets old I mean, uh, I'm probably going to treat myself to this stuff for my birthday before I go on holiday, for taking on holiday, so... Yeah, that one seems in particular one for you. That you should and most copies seem to be going for about 20 pounds. That's that's fair. Um, but it's definitely worth that. It's great. Um, yeah, so, Billionaire Banshee, we also played uh, Oceanos. Oceanos, Oceanos, Oceanos? Oceanos? Oceanos, I don't know, Oceanos. Um, which is a game about building submarines or upgrading submarines but also you build them out of little jigsaw pieces and mine didn't fit and that was bullshit I was fucking getting you were one very opposite human being I came quite close to winning though I think no I should have no way I think I came third never mind I didn't come close to winning Um, but Oceanus is a really cool game it was the first time I played it Um, I think it's the first time we'd all played it actually I think Mike and Anne owned it but I don't think they'd actually played it before 
Um, no, I don't think they had. Yeah, I think they picked up Essen, but they hadn't actually played it. Um, but it's basically a game where you are every turn. It's a card drafting game, so every turn everyone has a, a handful of cards uh, that are ocean spaces, and you have to pick one that you're going to add to your ocean, and you do this by placing it down to the right of the previous one you did. So to start with, you just put one down. But then you put one to the right of that, one to the right of that, one to the right of that, and you do, I think it was five you do, and then that's the end of a, a, a layer, basically, and you do three of those. So you end up with these three layers of gradually deeper bits of ocean that have better stuff in them. The card that yeah. works is you pick a card you want, and... Or sorry, at the start of every round, one player is like the captain, and they are the ones that deal out the cards to everyone, but they don't get any cards themselves. So yeah. you, you pick a card to go put down, and then you give the cards that you're not picking back to the person that deal them. That person yep. gets to pick one of the cards from there. Uh, you also have uh, uh, fuel in your engine that you can use to play two cards instead of one card, so if there's two things you want, you do that. Um, and also you can uh, actually that's basically you, you get that and also the dealer gets extra cards if you you know depending on how few cards they get back so if you choose to play both your cards then the, they get to take another new card to make up for that basically um, and it's really simple and it's that and the whole thing of the game is just playing these cards and trying to get the best stuff from them so there's different ways you get points. Uh, you get points by having largest collect or a large selection of uh, coral reefs all connected together. You have um, upgrades, which you get upgrades by placing uh, they're like little gems, and then on the card connected to the, that to the right, you place um, a little uh, scuba thing. I can't remember what it is. It's like a upgrade station. Um, and that lets you upgrade part of your ship, which you do by pulling out one of the little jigsaw pieces of your ship and then replacing it with a higher level one, which lets you do things like get additional cards when you're doing the drafting phase, or get two fuels so then you can do it. You can uh, play multiple cards a turn multiple times. Um, there's one that just gives you more points at the end of the game, and there's your aquarium, which means the maximum number of points you can get based on the number of fish you have is increased and you get that all damn fishies all damn fishies which is kind of the thing we all upgraded first I think because it seems like the most sensible one um it does unless you're planning to play the long game and go for the treasure tests and then it would be That's suggestible true. to upgrade your diving pods that is also two divers. true so yeah the two are kind of ways of scoring points are one is the fish where you get a point or you get a certain number of points per uh, different fish, like unique fish in your fish tank. So if you have two sharks, you're only going to get points for one of them. But if you have a shark, a crab, a, oh man, an octopus, and a, a fish, I, I ran out of ideas. If you have those, or turtles, yeah, there's turtles. But you're also turtles. trying to avoid is it the the kraken's eyes or? Yes, yeah, that's the other thing. So if you have like five different fish, you would get points for five different fish. Uh, unless you need to upgrade your ship. If you upgrade your submarine, then you get 
you know, you can have up to five or you can have up to ten or whatever. Um, which is really cool. But yes, also cards have Kraken eyes on them, which are at the end of every layer of the sea, everyone adds up the number of Kraken eyes they have, and whoever has the most has to flip over a Kraken token, which usually is something like you've lost two points, or if you lost five points or something like that. Um, so you lose points basically. So you want to try and you know not have the least of those. So it's a bit of pusher luck there. Yeah, it's a little bit of pusher luck, little bit of card drafting. Yeah, uh, and then and also the diver thing. Puzzle. The diver, yeah, the little puzzle. The diver thing that you mentioned. So yes. the way that works is, we place a diver token down. Uh, divers pick up treasure chests, but they also pick up any treasure chests above them. So, to really risk it and push your luck, you want to pl- place the divers when you're on your third layer of your ocean, because you don't get them back, ever. So, you yeah. want, when you get to the third layer of the ocean, you want to start putting your divers down, because then your divers will pick up all the chests above them as well. So you want to try and go, oh, I've got a chest above me, if I draft the card... If I get drawn, you know, dealt a card with a chest here, I really want to put that down and also a diver so you can pick up all these. But maybe I should yeah. leave the diver till next layer so you can pick up both of them. Uh, but I don't know. So, yeah, it ends up really kind of... It really, it, it's good. I really like it. It's real kind of push lock kind of stuff and card drafting. It's very, very fun. I really like it. it it's quite light. It's got fucking beautiful art style I love the beautiful art style absolutely stunning uh steampunk shark was probably my favourite character yeah it's all very steampunky all of the animals um have different like costumes and stuff like that the octopus has like a tentacles that come down and look like a big curly moustache yes um, there's a shark with a monocle shark with a monocle or dol- yeah dolphin with a monocle dolphin with a monocle there was a shark as well. The shark. There's a shark as well. I can't remember. I think he had the shark had a top hat. Yes, he did. But yeah, there's a there's a bunch of stuff. I really like that. Um, I was, I, yeah, I was happy with that game. Um, I didn't really know anything about it at all, other than Mike had bought it and said it was pretty, and I was like, that sounds good. Yeah, let's <laughs> play that. That's like, all I need to know about board It's not too heavy either. So yeah, no, it was very light. Um, with just enough kind of it's one of those games that you don't it's very uh, solitary like you're not yeah you're not you're interacting with you other players you are playing much. with other people but yeah. you're kind of working on building your own yeah you're basically just building your own ocean which I thought was really cool you end up with this big kind of map that you've built basically which is awesome um, yes I like games like that but yeah, it's that thing where there's not a lot of player interaction. You're just kind of, you know, doing your own thing and hoping you have the most points at the end. Uh, the exception being the Kraken's eyes. Like, you're kind of keeping an eye on everyone else's Kraken eyes, and that's kind of... Yes. It's basically, like, who's got the most Kraken eyes at the end? And you're, you're, wait, you're looking at other people's builds to see what they've got to see if you can afford to put down another Kraken Knife, it's worth it, because maybe yeah. it's got two, two fish and a treasure chest on there. Yeah, exactly. So you may have one that's got, oh, but it's also got two Kraken Eyes on it. But also, I don't have any Kraken Eyes yet, and Paul's already played three. So even if I play this, it's fine. Yes. Or um, it could be Paul has two, and I this will give me two, so we'll both lose points, 
but that might be worthwhile. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I would definitely play again. Um, it's good fun. Yes, definitely. Um, so the one last game we played was possibly the lightest. I would say definitely the lightest. Um, but also one of my favourites. I really liked it as well, um, which is Cat Tower. Yes. Cat Tower is a game about stacking cats on top of each other. It's kind of it. Um, the cats are these cards that have uh, either side of them folded to make little kind of legs or like little tables, kind of. Um, that was the one thing I didn't like about that game is those don't fold very well. They just kind of start falling real yeah. quickly. Um, but yeah, so the whole thing is you have these little cats and you start with a certain number of them and the player to win is the one who has no cats first. Which sounds really easy because every turn you stack a cat on top of the cat tower. And that's kind of it. Or you roll a dice and it lets you either stack a cat, stack two cats, uh, use a fat cat token, which is a token and also a, a card that you put down instead of playing one of your own cards. Um, and the token has stuff that happens as well. Um, and I forget what else. There's other stuff. Yeah, there's another stuff. There's the fatty catty cards. Yeah. Um, which, and then you sometimes stack whatever you, you might need to stack your cart, cat upside down. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, you can stack your cat upside down, which is not as difficult as you would think. It's not it's bad, not bad for you. It's worse for the person who's going next. It's not too bad anyway, though, because everyone... Basically, the way you stack them is they're they're rectangular, so you're alternating every turn. Everyone is alternating the way, the direction they're stacking their cat every turn. And so as a result, when you flip yours upside down, it's actually not that detrimental, because you're still flipping it the other way around anyway. Um, but yeah, then people, the tower gets really high, and you actually kind of don't want to be... Like, to start with, you're kind of rolling a dice, and you're like, okay, I really hope I get the one that lets me put two cats on. Because then I get to... You know, I don't... I, I get rid of two of my cats, and I'll be closer to winning. Yes. But then, as there the tower was a, there gets was bigger... One, yeah, sorry. there was one stage I was sitting with, like, two cats left, and then the cat tower fell on me. Yeah, that happens. That's the thing. Uh, as the tower uh, gets bigger, you are rolling a dice, and you're like, oh god, please be something that does not involve actually stacking cats. Because one of the things is... um you can choose someone else and they have to stack one of your cats instead. And they get the punishment for toppling the tower if they topple it. So you're like, oh god, please do that so that... Because this tower's going to fucking collapse at any second because it's a rickety pile of cards and I don't want to be the one to do it. So someone else should not go over. And it's really fun. Yes, it is really, really fun. I think we um, should have combined it with Hop and just started throwing the hoops over the cat throwing tower. Throwing the hoop over the cat tower, and if you get the hoop over the cat tower, you instantly win. Yeah. No, if the person on the other side of the cat tower catches it, then... <laughs> then, you are, then you're instantly allowed to discard two cats. Or <laughs> House no, rules, right. Hop combined with cat tower. Yeah, Let's do it. House rules, cat tower. Um, yeah, it was... 
it was great. Um, I know that's one that Mike and Anne have been kind of going on for a bit. Um, yeah. Cat and Catbox and all the other cat games. They have so many cat games. There are so many cat games. Yes, so many cat games in, in their house specifically. The only <laughs> one I have is Kittens in a Blender. It's the only one you need though. It really is. I mean, are you going to blend those kittens? Are you not? Are you going to have a cat smoothie? Are I'm you not? not, because my girlfriend really hates that game and I can't play it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she did say she wasn't going to play she, Cats in the Blender. She legitimately hates that game just because she's like, I, these cats are too cute and they all have names, I can't kill them. And it's like, fair. She wouldn't even watch John Wick for a long time because she knew a dog died at the start of it. Yeah, that's fair enough. But then she watched John Wick and she's like, oh, I should have watched John Wick before now. Yeah, um, it's... Cat Tower's great. Cat's the Blender's great. Hop's great. Board games are great. Life is great. Unless you're in America, in which case, fuck Trump. And how about some news? News! (laughs) No, real news. Only real news here. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I didn't actually update the news on this document there that I'm looking at it. Oh. <laughs> it's a bit out of date. Uh, but I will quickly look up some news. Fill some time. <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn sells 2.6 million copies in two weeks, making it Sony's most successful new franchise. Let's just point out how well-timed that was. That was really well-timed. Good job, <laughs> um, yeah, that's good though. That's, the game deserves good sales. It does. It does. I don't want to call it my game of the year yet, but it's, it's probably there, there or thereabouts. I need to play more of it. Zelda's probably my game of the year so far because it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Um, uh, Drawn to Death will be free on PlayStation Plus at launch, although it will eventually be a paid game, but it's kind of doing the Rocket League disc jam thing. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, I should play disc jam actually. I should play that. Um, Drawn to Death is the uh, David Jaffe kind of third person shooter that looks like kind of scrawlings on a notebook. Um, it looks alright. I don't really, I'm not really Mr. Brown Jr. Free is a good price, I think. Seems interesting. Yeah. Um, what else we got here? Uh, I don't know how much this one. This one doesn't mean much to me, but it might mean something to you, Paul. I don't know what kind of games you grew up on. Um, did you ever play any of the old Disney games, like the kind of NES era yes. ones, like the Capcom uh, ones, like? No, I didn't. I played the PS1 era ones. I might have played a couple of Mega Drive ones. So you never played Chippendale Rescue Rangers 1 and 2? No, I did not. DuckTales 1 and 2? Darkwing Duck? Tailspin? You're kind of the same boat as me then. I didn't play any games except for DuckTales 1, but I played it way after the fact. Um... But yeah, uh, Capcom and Disney are teaming up to release what they are calling the Disney Afternoon Collection, which will have uh, not like emulated versions of uh, all of those games that I just listed. 
Uh, I believe it's being made by the same guys that did the Mega Man Legacy Collection, which is a really, really good version of Mega Man. So I kind of I think they have a there's a good chance that they will do good stuff with this. Um, the other thing they did with Mega Man Legacy was it was filled with uh, a lot of artwork and um, kind of uh, early designs and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So there's probably going to be a bunch of that stuff as well, where you'll see a lot of kind of behind-the-scenes stuff about how those games were made. Which is cool. If you like those games. I, I don't have any nostalgia for those games, so this is not really going to be a thing for me. Um, but I, I think that it'll be a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would like to, and it's probably not going to happen, given Disney's current relationship with video games, but I'd like to see like redos or even re-releases of like the Hercules game. Yes, that was actually what I was thinking. I would like a well, for sure, I was thinking I would like a, a movie pack made by Capcom, but then I realised that Capcom didn't actually make most of the movie games that I liked. But I would like, a, just in general, a Disney movie pack that had um, uh, like, what do you call it? Um, the Hercules one, because I fucking love that Hercules game. Um, the uh, Lion King game. Yeah. Tarzan game. Yes! Tarzan game was so good. And the best of the best, the Aladdin game. Oh, that was amazing as well. Specifically the Mega Drive one. because The Mega Drive version, because it was a Mega Drive version. It was the Mega Drive I had, so... Both the versions were actually really good. They're both... They're different games, but they're very similar and very good. Uh, The Mega Drive one is the better one, though. It's scientifically proven, and if you disagree, you're wrong. Um... But yeah. I've said, put send all hate mail to Kieran on Twitter <laughs> at Protomy. Um, please don't do that. Uh, but yes, uh, yeah, yeah. I would like that movie games. Yes, there was a lot of good Disney movie games for a while. Yeah. Um, the the only other news thing I've got. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to skip most of it because we, were, yeah, there's not a whole lot that we're going to be super interested in. Um, but the one that I would be kind of interested in is the there's an update for DLC for Rock Band 4 yeah Yeah. which adds some themed stuff like some Mass Effect themed cosmetic items so you have like a guitar shaped like the Normandy which is pretty good I guess Uh, and then also um, there's Kenny Loggins DLC that adds danger nice but it replaces your character with Sterling Archer. Yes! End of Don Sealer by It's pretty good. I mean, it's just rock band, so it's really stupid. You know, it doesn't actually add anything to it, but it's... I, I like it. I like Archer. Uh, the new series of Archer starts this year. Yes. It's going to be weird. Archer Noir. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, it could be so good. Speaking of Archer, I thought they give you a copy of your Archer game. Yeah, I know. Paul. Terrible friend. Terrible friend. Dead to me. Uh, that's all the news I wrote. Um, cool. So we move on to new releases. Do we have any new releases? I don't know. I don't have a list of it. This all falls apart without a mic here. Yeah, apparently so. 
Well, he's the glue that holds us all together. So this week is... Okay, so we want ones that end on the 24th of March. That is next Friday. So, games coming out. We have... This is the Police comes to Xbox One on March 22nd. Yeah. Uh, Do you like that game? I do. This is the Police. It's fantastic. Uh, I don't know if I would buy it again. I didn't play enough of it. I need to go back to that. I, I don't know if I would buy it again on a different system. That's fair. No, I don't think. Well, but it's on great. Switch. Oh, crap. I might buy it on the Switch. <laughs> I don't even um, have a Switch, and I'd maybe buy it on the Switch. Uh, um, a big one. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda comes out on March 23rd. Yes. And my uni work and my life has just been swallowed by Horizon and Mass Effect. Yeah, I pre-ordered Mass Effect on PC. I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, you're going to play on PC? Yeah, I mean, I just upgraded my PC recently. I, it seemed like a sensible thing to do. Um, fair enough, fair enough. I was flip-flopping for a bit, because I was like, I want to play the multiplayer, and most of my friends will be playing the multiplayer on PS4. And I was like, nah, fuck it, i got this nice PC, I'm going to play on PC. Um, 88 Heroes is coming for uh, the PS4 on March 24th. Uh, lots of fours there. Um, 88 Heroes, I don't know what that is. It's Rising Star Games. Uh... 88 Heroes is a chaotic 2D platformer where each level completely or... What? Where each level completed or untimely death brings a new hero into the action. Or each level completed or untimely... Okay, I can't read it, apparently. It looks like a cool 2D platformer. Uh, Water Sport Manager for the PC. Published by Sega. Oh! Comes out March Mo- 24th. Water Sport Manager is already out for the PC. Uh, maybe this is a physical release or something? Uh, possibly. It's been out on Steam for quite a long time. I know Ben has put, um, from the site's put in a phenomenal amount of hours, and I have personally put in a phenomenal amount of hours to the, uh, the iOS version of that yeah. game as well. Weird. I wonder why it's marked as coming out. Maybe it's a physical release. That makes sense. Maybe it's only been digital until now. Like most games. Uh, Southern Strike 4 for the PC and PS4 comes out March 24th. Southern yes. Strike 4 is a thing. It's. <laughs> Look at the Steam page for it. Southern Strike is back! The beloved real time strategy series returns! This time with bigger battlefields, more units, better graphics, new scenarios, and legendary commanders with individual abilities. I've never heard of the Southern Strike series before. No, I don't think I even have either. It looks really nice, though, actually. I might pick that up. Uh-oh. Oh, here we go. It's a real <laughs> nice RTS. Um, let me look that up. Maybe, maybe this is a series I have heard of, actually, now I think about it. This might be a an older series that I've heard of but never played. Anyway, it seems cool. Um, I never know how to pronounce this one. It's a Japanese game. Uh, Tohu... Toho, Toho, Genso Wanderer by NIS America comes out uh, March 24th for the Vita and the PlayStation 4. Uh, that's a bunch of. Um, oh no, wait, it's not what I thought it was. So Toho is like a, se- a series of. I think they're they're actually just fan games for the most part, or theoretically. Um, it's like a series of characters basically that are mostly in shmups. 
You can good old shoot 'em up games. This yeah. is not one of those though. This is like some kind of RPG with those characters. Strange. Uh, I have no idea what this is. Uh, it's anime. That's I guess that's all we really know. It's anime. So it's probably great. Yes. Uh, Tokyo Two. There's a lot of games coming out this week. Jesus Christ. Um, Tokyo Two comes out for the PC, Vita, and PS4. Uh, also March twenty fourth. Um, Tokyo is kind of it's Dynasty Warriors Monster Hunter. Um, that first game was quite good. The second game is like open world and also looks quite good. I'll probably pick that up at some point when I have time to play games that aren't Zelda. That aren't Zelda? I know, right? Uh, Troll you play and things I. that aren't Zelda? No, not anymore. Troll and I for the PC, PS4, Xbox One also comes out March 24th. Uh, Troll and I is an upcoming video game developed by Spiral House. And that's not a good explanation of that game. Why did I start reading that? Um... Da, da, da. I need an explanation of what this game is. Ah. Taking place in the majestic mountains and lush forests of a post-World War II, 1950s era Scandinavia, Troll and I follows the adventures of a teenage boy and the unlikely friendship he develops with a massive mythical troll. Oh! Nice. Um... I'm trying to find... I don't see any screenshots of it. There's some artwork and it looks nice. Mm. But I don't see any. Stop selling me on games. I have no time. And money. Uh, the screenshots look a bit rough. They look pretty rough. But you never know. Maybe we good. I I don't want, like to judge games based on screenshots. Um, <laughs> give them a chance. Well, very true. And then the only other release we have here is Vikings: Wolves of Midgard or Midgard. I'm actually weirdly looking forward to that. And I know very little about it, but it looks... I actually don't know. I don't think it is. I think this is a Diablo game, basically. It is a Diablo game. It's a Diablo game, but with Vikings. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it. It does look nice. It looks, yeah. I I thought this was out for other stuff. It might possibly be. I know I've had it in my rental list for... I've had it in my rental list for a while and yeah. it's been something I've been kind of waiting on. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's came up in this list before. Um, but yeah, yeah, it looks cool. But not a game I will rush out and get. I'll... It's, no, definitely not. It's one of those games that might be good as filler. Yeah, yeah. When it's maybe a bit cheaper or when there's not many games coming out. You're like, okay, I'll rent this. Um, yeah, it looks cool. I'm always up for a good Diablo game. And by always, I mean when I have to. <laughs> Every game is a Diablo game now, so. Everything has loot. Yeah, uh, everything is a Diablo game. Yeah. So that? Diablo, cross Borderlands. I mean, Borderlands was Diablo, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, Borderlands is a Diablo one. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all the releases we have for this week. For the week ending 24th of March. I think that's all we have. Because we clearly have nowhere else to go with this. I think that is us for this week's podcast. I'm going to go back to playing Zelda slash Nier slash Not Horizon. Bye, Karen. Bye. Bye. <laughs>